but it also helps to try and highlight some of the areas where we see an increase in persecution and where we're calling people to pray and, and as we see this increase as we see this trend continuing we're looking for a trend of prayer across the world today millions of Christians are persecuted they face oppression imprisonment displacement and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ these courageous believers are our brothers and sisters we are in this together with them, and we need to hear their voice. Join host Kenneth as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. 2020 was a year like no other in recent times, one that I guess many of us would probably rather forget. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to be at the forefront of our nation's news coverage, but it's not the only story we should consider as we look ahead to 2021. This year, Christians across the world will continue to face persecution. From Africa to Southeast Asia, our brothers and sisters in Christ will be violently opposed because of their faith. My name is Kenneth Harrod, I'm your guest host, and on today's podcast, I'll be speaking to my colleagues Tom and Jack about Release International's annual Persecution Trends report. We'll talk about some of the pressures Christians are likely to face in the year ahead. And we'll also discuss how the report can help you to be better informed and to pray. You can read the full Persecution Trends report online at releaseinternational.org. Tom and Jack, welcome to this latest edition of the Release International Voice podcast. Oh, it's good to be with you today, Kenneth. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us along today, Kenneth. It's good to be with you. Tom, if I can begin with you, you are Release International's Head of Communications. Can you remind us why it is that Release produces this trends report at the start of each year? And, and how does Release pull together the information for that report? Yeah, well, the, the idea behind the trends report is really, um, as I think I might have mentioned in the podcast last year, that it's an opportunity for us to get uh, reports from partners so in various countries. So releases the voice of persecuted Christians. And that's what we want to do is give them a voice. So really, we speak to our partners and the people that they work with, the persecuted Christians, the persecuted church, to find out what's going on. So this this gives us a kind of um, picture for various countries of uh, individually of what is happening. But also then we when we get those, they're like jigsaw pieces that we can then put together. And that gives us a bigger picture, a global picture, really, of what is happening to the church worldwide. Um, and getting this enables us to sort of for us internally to, to strategize so we can, for instance, we now look at it rather than looking at individual countries, we look at a sort of a trend that is happening to, to churches in certain areas. So, for instance, Christians being forced to flee from certain areas, uh, the, the kind of intensification in the number of uh, churches that are being oppressed or a growth in, in Christian prisoners, that kind of thing. And that, that enables us to, to work more effectively. But it's also um, to inform the church in the UK to be able to pray in a, in a much more informed way. And uh, we know that the media as well, not just the Christian media, but the secular media as well, 
picks up on this that actually it's a, it's an important uh, report to be, to be out there in the public sphere, which is really good. And I think that's something um, that that we need to pray as a church in the UK that actually the persecuted church around the world is is in the news. Thank you. You talked there about pulling together. Uh, pieces of the jigsaw, as it were. So as you look back on last year, can you just say briefly, uh, where was it that Christians particularly suffered last year? Were there any surprises or was it in line with what we were expecting at the beginning of 2020? Well, it's been a strange year, hasn't it? I think everybody says that and nobody could have foreseen what's happened. So in some ways, well, in, in a lot of ways that has affected uh, not just people around the world, but the church specifically as well. So um, I think in terms of places like uh, Nigeria, um, we warned a year ago of a kind of genocide in the making, really. And sadly, that appears to, to be happening in Nigeria. And, and, and there's been a, that continual decline, really, in Christians being safe to be able to uh, to live out their lives in northern Nigeria um, over this past year. The the attacks on Christian communities have continued. But what's been interesting, actually, that we probably didn't foresee is the kind of change from the impact of, say, Boko Haram, the terrorist group in the north. And over this past year, there's been much more violence from militant Fulani herdsmen. And we were right in saying the persecution in Nigeria would be developing like this. Um, but it's been slightly obviously changed because of um, this shift from Boko Haram to, to, to the Fulanis. In other places, I think it, COVID has haven't had an impact. I think we might talk about that a bit later. But for countries like Eritrea, where Christians um, have been imprisoned, I think this time last year, there were about 600 evangelicals in prison for their faith. That's now gone down to 300, we estimate our partners think. So so that's an improvement, but but there's been no change in the government ideology. So we don't know actually whether this is just a response to getting Christians out of prison because of the COVID situation or whether actually there is a change in a kind of approach to, to imprisoning uh, believers. Yeah, so in some ways, I suppose that has been, that has been a positive impact of COVID and um, in other places as well, I, th- I think. The fact that the countries have been under kind of lockdown has actually helped the underground church in places like North Korea and Iran, who have been able to communicate and fellowship online in a safer environment, really, because the authorities haven't been keeping an eye on them because they've been so caught up with with COVID. Thank you. Well, you 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 obviously mentioned COVID-19 there and uh it's dominated uh, all of our lives over this past year. I guess none of us could have predicted at the beginning of the year uh, what would have happened from, from March onwards. So, Jack, just, just to bring you in, perhaps if you can just pick up on, on that whole issue, um, how has COVID-19 impacted the whole issue of the persecution of Christians? For example, c- can we say that in any places it has caused or has contributed to persecution increasing or decreasing? And how has Release International responded? There is no doubt, isn't it, that 2020 for all of us is going to be looked back on as the year of COVID. And and it certainly had that significant impact on Christians across the world, as you suggest there. Um, and although it's it's filled our news headlines, I guess, this year and brought much of our life to a halt, what is true to say is that in many countries it did nothing to slow down the persecution of Christians. 
and 2020 certainly saw an increase or an, an add-in to the pressures that Christians already experience across the world. So for many, it highlighted the fact that socially, they are already at the bottom of the pile because of their Christian faith. So in countries like Pakistan, where many Christians have access only to the worst sort of employment, often day labour, COVID either took away their opportunities to earn anything and put food on the table or made it even more dangerous for them to go out and do this. And through my own contacts in, in Egypt, I've heard many, many similar stories this year of people, Christians in rural areas, losing access to their work. And unlike many of us, of course, we they don't enjoy access to robust social services or economic support. And they've never been in a position in their lives because of their social status as Christians to set aside something for a rainy day for a year such as 2020. And so for many, it's been an increased struggle to simply put food on the tables for their families. And, and I wrote in the middle of the year in our magazine um, about one family who's been helped by release partners in Egypt, where the mother talked about their fear of catching COVID and the risks that would bring to their family. But she said her fear of the family starving to death, her children starving to death was greater. And so she continued to go out and try and find day work. And, and thankfully, uh, through the, the generous response to the appeal that we made earlier this year, um, our partners have been able to help that particular family and many others in those sort of circumstances. I guess you, you touched on this a little bit, and there, there have been some encouragements, it, it must be said. And one encouraging note, but one which I find personally challenging, has come from our partner working with, with North Korean believers, who, who's told us that while COVID-19, which is a very real issue for them, for North Korean believers, it's just another challenge or obstacle which has come their way, which they overcome, they say, through the sufficiency of Christ. And, and, and as they regard it with this mindset, they've even seen some new opportunities come in their way, which, which uh, Tom has already alluded to, um, to distribute Christian materials, opportunities which weren't there. Uh, before this sort of lockdown scenario we're talking about. And so for North Korean believers, they've been unable to meet in church building for four generations now. So this situation isn't new for them of being in this, this sort of lockdown. Uh, and I guess in summary, in, in many cases, the situation has been made even worse for Christians, again, because of their social status, because access to health care can be prioritised in terms in favour of those of the majority faith. For a number of reasons, COVID has just increased the, the pressure on many Christians across the world this year. On today's podcast, I am talking to release workers Tom and Jack. Keep listening as we focus in on three specific countries. You can read the full Persecution Trends report in the current issue of our Voice magazine. For details on how to subscribe for free, go to releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. Well, let's drill down a little bit into this uh, Persecution Trends report. Uh, for those that haven't seen it yet, we divide the world into six areas. Uh, there's Africa, including Nigeria, which Tom has already mentioned, Eastern Asia, which would include China and North Korea, South Asia, which would include the countries of Pakistan and India, Southeast Asia, Central Asia and the Middle East. Now, obviously, we can't cover all of those areas and indeed all of those countries in this conversation. So let me just zoom in and ask you uh, about a few specific places so that we can get a better picture of what it might look like 
for some of our Christian brothers and sisters this year. So, Tom, if I can come back to you, uh, one place where persecution seems to be on the rise uh, is India. Can you give us a little bit of the context of that, the background, uh, what's behind it, what does persecution look like in India, and how do we think things might develop in 2021? Um, yeah, India is an interesting place because actually over the last few years since the the election of Narendra Modi, um, we've seen a kind of change in the culture. And what's happened is it, w- within India, there is something called Hindutva, which is basically a Hindu ideology that says that to be Indian is to be Hindu. So that has grown and obviously um, been strengthened by the success of the BJP, which is a nationalist party um, over the years. And so what we're seeing is an erosion of protection for Christians and for other non-Hindus within India. And that has been growing. Um, and I think what we've seen is an increase in the um, the severity of the violence, really. I think over this past year, there have been a number of mob attacks on uh, Christians in villages, often by their their, their neighbours. So they know these people. And at one time they would have been living together side by side and getting on quite peace, peacefully. But 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 with the rise of this kind of ideology, um, it's 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 given a sort of freedom to to extremists to to exploit. And and it, in some ways it, it's very sad. In India, there are a number of states that have anti-conversion laws, and um, it obviously takes time for those laws to be enacted. But but it just adds to that sense of trepidation for Christians and and non non Hindus that they're not under the protection of the law anymore. That, for instance, if a um, if a Christian is attacked, um, he will be beaten up and and you know maybe abused in in very unpleasant ways but then he'll be taken to the police station and he's the one who's charged with forced conversion and so we're seeing that actually there isn't a protection there for Christians anymore they're afraid to go to the police they're afraid to go to hospitals even to get treated because of what they might find so I think there's that kind of change in the the culture uh, which is very concerning Thanks, Tom. Sounds like India is a country that uh, Christians in the UK need to certainly be praying for uh, in this coming year. Um, Jack, just to turn to you then, I know you have a, a particular interest in Egypt. And in fact, you've written an article on Egypt in the current edition of Releases Quarterly magazine, Voice. So can you give us a little bit of background on that country? Perhaps uh, tell us why and indeed how Christians are persecuted there. And again, how are things likely to look for the Christian community in 2021? Yeah, uh, Egypt is a country which has the it's the largest population of Christians in the Arab world, with around 15 million, some of the estimates, uh, about 15% of the, the population. And, and technically, the, the constitution, the law there, should provide protection for these Christians. But we know in practice that that fails to do so at times. So Christians will continue to suffer oppression and persecution there through 2021. 
Uh, and certainly in recent years, if we look back at the way that persecution has manifested itself in recent years, we've seen several bombings uh, on churches in Cairo and Alexandria and Tanta, where many have been left dead. We've seen attacks on buses going to visit monasteries with many uh, left dead. And although we can't say for certain that these sort of incidents will happen in 2021, just, just this morning as I was thinking about this, I've been reading a report of another Christian murdered near Alexandria by three Muslim men who accused him of bringing problems on their family. Uh, and sadly, this wasn't the first time he'd been attacked and one of the men who killed him in this attack had actually been allowed out on, on parole because sadly the, 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 the law doesn't always follow through when these attacks are happening against Christians and the law doesn't protect them. One of the early things which struck me uh, as I'm thinking about this and going forward in, in the whole narrative um, used by the Black Lives Matters movement this year was the way they've managed to successfully point out that the issues faced today are accumulate, accumulation of over 400 years of discrimination, which has an ongoing impact from one generation to the next. And, and I've written something about this in, as you say, in the current magazine, Kenneth, then, because this is very, very true for Christians in Egypt, the Christian population in Egypt, which has been living under oppressive laws now for 1400 years. And, and the impact of laws made even that long ago still have a huge impact on the lives of Christians today. So laws set up 1400 years ago, which restricted the opportunity for Christians to share their faith with those of the majority faith, the Islamic faith, they go back to a pact from that, that long ago, and they still have an impact in 2021. And so this means that in Egypt, for those who convert from a Muslim background, they will continue to, as they, to, continue to pay a high price for practicing their Christian faith, and they will be the ones who will face, face actually the harshest treatment in that in, in Egypt. Uh, and that could be expulsion from their families. It could be divorce instigated by their spouses. It could be estrangement, their children taken away from them. It could be the loss of employment. But for some, it'll actually mean, and we, I hear this anecdotally when I, when I visit Egypt, this can mean torture or even death at the hands of their families if they refuse to return to Islam. And all this goes back, as I say, 1400 years. The laws which support this go back 1400 years and it's a cumulative oppression. But I guess in, in just thinking 2021, for most Christian of the Christian population in Egypt, there will be another year of trying to make ends meet as they go about their daily manual work for children in many parts of Egypt. It'll be a year when they'll continue to be discriminated against in their schools. And, and for all Christians, it'll be a year when they know they may be attacked at any time and the law will often fail to protect them. And for some, it will surely be a, year, be a year when they find themselves arrested if they speak out against this sort of treatment. Jack, thanks very much for that background. That, that long-term cultural context that you mentioned there is really uh, fascinating and important to understand, I guess. Um, Tom, turning back to you, let's, let's move further east, as it were, and think a little bit about China. China is, of course, always in the news uh, for all sorts of reasons, but perhaps particularly so over the last year. Obviously, the, the initial outbreak of COVID-19, uh, there was the ongoing unrest in Hong Kong with the new laws there, uh, rising international awareness, we know, of, of China's treatment of the, the Uyghur people, and just generally China's influence, I guess, on, on the world stage. So can you tell us, in the middle of all of that, all that's been going on, how are Christians faring in China? Uh, and what will things be like for them in 2021? 
Uh, yeah, we've seen obviously um, the uh, the policies that are coming out of China in regards to to Uyghurs in uh, northwest China and the um, laws introduced in Hong Kong and the effect that that's having. Um, I think similarly to India, it's the economic power of these countries that actually has kind of given them a freedom from censure. And and so, for instance, you know, um, the West is almost afraid to confront China, India over their lack of human rights, um, simply because of a need for the economic trade. Now, as we become more and more dependent on these countries for for income, um, uh, we can we can only see you know a sort of uh, tightening in in the repression. It, it doesn't look good for for Christians in China, um, and for a while that since uh, the beginning of 2018, uh, Christians have, have faced a kind of um, a more um, organised um, and orchestrated uh, repression um, that's come from the top, really, of the Communist Party. With churches being closed down or demolished, crosses torn off buildings, as, as we've seen, pastors arrested, um, and that's only likely to continue. Um, I think I think what is of concern as well, and that's probably why there's been such a kind of um, kickback in in Hong Kong, is that there are 870,000 Christians in Hong Kong who are now um, uh, at, at risk um, of being targeted by by the the Communist Party in mainland China, and so. Um, that's certainly somewhere that we need to be praying for, um, is the church in Hong Kong. Recently, there's been a report of a church in Hong Kong having its bank account frozen, um, so they're unable to carry out their normal activities. Um, and this is on top of, of the threat of, of being persecuted and, and, and prosecuted for um, other activities. So within um, China itself, um, it looks like uh, the church will be continually um, oppressed, um, which actually they've already experienced in the past in the Cultural Revolution. Um, and we see the gospel spreading there. So so um, our partner, Bob Fu, um, has, you know, says that, you know, the church is growing and growing. And, and, and actually, you know, we should celebrate that. So it's kind of through the persecution. But but it's it, we also see um, China. Uh, attempting to influence um, things in other countries, so not just Hong Kong, but I just mentioned Bob Fu. He's been the target of a of a um, an attack in the U.S. and um, you know to try and discredit his activities. And so you can see that it's not just within China itself that that Christians are going to be targeted, but it's if it's dissidents living abroad and so on. So um, I think we definitely need to pray for them. But, but one person I would say we need to pray for whose story we have talked about is a pastor called Wang Yi um, from the Early Rain Covenant Church. And he's been sentenced to nine years in prison. And the authorities have now um, kept, are now keeping his wife under constant surveillance. His son has to go to a communist party school where he's re-educated in communism or in, in, in effect brainwashed. This is all in, in response to uh, Wang Yi's determination to stay strong and firm in his faith in prison. And so you can just see that they're now targeting families of Christian pastors, even the children. You know, there is no this is a dirty war. You know, we know we're in a spiritual battle, but this is the really nasty side of things. Um, so we, we need to pray for them and stand with them. And uh, we know that um, the police have already said to the early rain church, 
you know, um, we will never give your church space. We will only continually squeeze you. And so, you know, the church, in a sense, knows that's going to happen. But but we know as well that our God is stronger, you know, and we need to we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in China, as well as India, as well as Egypt. Thank you very much for that, Tom. I think that's some, some really helpful insights there and, and some challenges to us here in the UK to be praying, particularly for that family that you just mentioned um, in China and obviously for Christians um, in Hong Kong. Uh, we've been talking about Release International's annual persecution trends report, which uh, appears each year at the beginning of the year. Um, Jack, can I just ask you a very personal question, really? H how have you benefited from, from yourself reading it over the years uh, in your own role at Release, engaging with churches in the UK? How, how, have, how have you used that report and how have you seen it being received by churches? Personally, at, at the end of every year, I think we all find a time, we try and find some space to reflect on the year that's gone and look to the year that's, that's ahead of us. And so the, for me, the report is very helpful in just starting to set out some of the themes I may be thinking about and places I'm going to be praying about over the next 12 months. And something I alluded to at the start is this isn't a report we pluck out of the air. This is a report which is based on what our partners in these countries are saying to us about the trend. So it helps just to, to shape what I'm, I'm going to be thinking and praying about over the next 12 months. But it also helps, as you suggest, in my role in communicating this uh, to churches to try and highlight some of the areas where we're going to see, where we see an increase in persecution and where we're calling people to pray. And, and as we see this increase, as we see this trend continuing, we're looking for a trend of prayer to go alongside it. We're looking to call people to redouble their commitment to pray for these countries where we're, we're talking about the persecution increasing. And so it's extremely helpful on a number of levels. Well, Tom, Jack, thank you both very much for giving time to speak to our voice podcast today. The Persecution Trends Report certainly is an excellent resource. Um, I would encourage listeners to read the full version in our voice magazine. You can find details about how to subscribe at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. And thank you everyone for joining us today. So what will 2021 have in store for you? For many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, it will inevitably include rejection and hatred because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, they will continue to face this opposition, trusting in God's faithfulness and assured of their eternal security in his sovereign plan. Let's make sure that as Christians in the UK, we do all that we can to stand with them in the year ahead. Thank you so much for listening to this Voice podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so that you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then please do subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. When you do that, for a limited time, we'll send you Petr Yashak's book, Imprisoned with Isis, for free.
Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.